Aren't things beginning to look a lot like Christmas? All the nice decorations going up at our homes and our neighborhoods here in church? Let me ask you a question about that. Would your Christmas be the same if all those decorations weren't around? Would it still feel like Christmas? You know, I think it's accurate to say that all the decorations and all the special music, and yes, Dave, even uh, jolly old St. Nicholas, all help to contribute to that feeling of a wonderful, joyful season. In fact, just think of, of how our, our homes or, or our neighborhoods are transformed when lights go up, right? So here's the same old neighborhood, you drive down the street, the same old houses, you know, some maybe have a lot of, uh, this time of the year, uh, plants that have lost their leaves, things are looking a little barren, perhaps. Still a lot of clutter around with all the cars that are parked and things like that. But then you add some lights, and wow, how things are transformed, how things kind of sparkle, right? Uh, lights really become an important part of Christmas for us, and so, like Dave, we, we add to our to-do list when it comes to decorating for Christmas. Well, this month, as we're looking ahead to celebrating Christmas, we, we have a checklist, too. We're calling it a Christian's Christmas checklist. And today we want to talk about turning on the lights. I want to share with you a passage from the prophet Isaiah in which he talked about the light being turned on. From Isaiah chapter 9. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. I want you to think again about your neighborhood for a minute. But don't necessarily think about all the lights that have gone up and how things have changed there. I want you to think about your neighborhood in these terms. Is it spiritual? Maybe say, you know, I don't, I don't really know. I don't know the people who live on my street. But what do you think about our city, our country, our world? Is it spiritual? I really don't know, you might say. Might I suggest to you that uh, our city and uh, our neighborhoods are maybe a little bit like this guy, the Grinch? I mean, he decked himself off to celebrate Christmas, right? And he had everybody in the town of Whoville tricked. They thought he was Santa. They thought he had come to celebrate Christmas. But ooh, thank goodness, Dr. Seuss told us he came to steal Christmas. And the reason why? His heart was too small. Let me propose that maybe our neighborhoods, our city, Maybe even our homes are a little bit like the Grinch. We're stealing Christmas. We're taking away from what's going on about Christ. And you say, well, how can that be? 
Yeah. I, I went to the Home Depot the other day looking for, yeah, some light stuff, you know? And as I was looking at all the different Christmas decorations and stuff, I couldn't find anything that had to do with Jesus. It was all about snowmen and whatever, you know? So do we maybe put up all the decorations, but in reality we're stealing Christmas? And, and how are we really going to know what's going on inside of our homes and our neighborhoods or our country? Well, let's listen to the prophet Isaiah. He's telling us. Yeah, I know. He wrote 2,700 years ago. And his words were describing the conditions in Israel. But his words are from God. And God's words are timeless. So they apply to us, and in fact, describe us. So here's what Isaiah is saying about our city, about our neighborhoods, about our homes, and our heart. Change is needed. He was talking about what was going on in Israel at the time. It was a time of darkness, a time of distress. He referred to the land of Zebulun and Naphtali. So here's a, here's a map of Israel. If you look up at the top, those two sections that were like states, were where the tribes of Naphtali and Zebulun settled. What had happened is they had been overrun by the Assyrians, a neighboring nation that God allowed to come in and overpower them and oppress them. That land in the future would be called Galilee, where Jesus lived. And that's what he meant by it would be honored. But now there was darkness all around. He describes this darkness as, as being distress and dismay. There was disaster. They're being oppressed. In fact, the people would be carried away. And the country, that northern part of Israel, would be no more. Now, how did that all happen? Well, it's interesting that when he said, this is a land that's living in deep darkness, that the original Hebrew says, in a dark or deep shadow. Now, you have to, have to ask yourself this. How is a shadow made? What causes a shadow? But simply the blocking of light. In the Bible, light is always used to refer to God and the truth. Something was blocking God and the truth so that the people are living in darkness. They had adapted or adopted the ways of the world around them, the godless, heathen ways. And so, yes, it resulted in disaster. How does all that come about? That's how the devil works. He works to deceive us. He works by distorting what God's clear word says and then he works on the own, our own desires that are inside of us and leads us to disobey God. The Apostle Paul described that kind of darkness in people when he wrote this. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. 
You see, what he was describing, what Isaiah was describing, was not just the, the outward condition of darkness, that is, the disaster and, and the depression that was going on. He was talking about the plight of sin, that is, the pathway of sin and the results that it brings into people's lives, the distress, the dismay, and yes, death. So it wasn't that just there was dark times all around. Isaiah is talking about the darkness that was inside. And he wasn't just talking about the people of Israel. God's timeless word is also talking about us. The Apostle Paul again wrote about a darkness that's in people. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, that's the devil, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Paul was talking about us. And you may say, get out of here. That's not me. Look at all the you's and the we's that I've highlighted in this passage. He is talking about us. He's telling us that the darkness that blocks the light of God can creep into our lives. What happens real smoothly, it starts out with a little bit of self sadness thinking about yourself. You know, How does this affect me? What about me? I don't feel like this way. I don't whatever. Okay? And then it turns into selfishness. No, it's all about me. And this is just mine. It's, it's got to go my way. That pretty soon my way is opposed to God's way. Here's some examples. How do we use God's name? Do we use it for praying and praising? Or for cursing or expressing frustration? And we might say, well... That's just the way it is. That's just the way people talk. Everybody's all right with that. Or what about our desire and, and our actions in, in worshiping God or hearing his word? Eh, not today. I don't feel like it. But what about our attitudes and our words about those who are in positions of authority over us, whether as parents or government leaders? Do we honor them like God calls us to do? What about the people we see who are in need? Do we just turn the other way? I work hard. <laughs> this is all mine. I need it. I need to get a job. What's our views on sexual morality? What about all the things, all material things that are around us and all the different activities we can participate in? Do we find that sometimes those things, while God has given them to us to enjoy, may also take us away from God? See how it's easy for things to come up and block the light of God's word. So where do you live? Where do you work? Is there some darkness there? Things that block the truth? And does some of that start to creep into your life? Does some of it get into your heart? Or maybe... God is becoming more dim or darker to you? Are you letting the darkness take over? 
where it's your desires are now, are now opposed to and at war with the will of God. Uh, simply put, do you need a change? And then what about our world? What about our city? What about our home? Is there darkness there too? Can anything be done? Or might you think, you know what, this is too far gone. The people are searching. People are searching. They know things are not right. They're searching. But they're looking in all the wrong places. Isaiah talked about that right before the text I read. He said the people don't like this distress, and so they're looking up to the heavens. Not, not to God, though. They're looking up to the heavens. What can help us? Who can help us? What can we follow? And they're looking down on earth. What can be done? What can we do? And he said, no change has come from that. Sounds kind of hopeless, huh? That's not what he was talking about. He says there is hope. There is hope for us. There is hope for this world. And the reason is because change has come. Listen again to what he said. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Those living on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And though Isaiah was writing seven hundred years before Christ would come, he's talking like it's a done deal because he's speaking God's words, and he's writing them with faith and faithfulness. Trusting that what God says he will do, he will do. And so the light has dawned. And that light he's referring to is Christ, the promised Savior, who is the true light. The Apostle John, when he wrote his gospel about Jesus Christ, introduces him this way. In him, that is in Jesus, was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He's describing it as if it's a new day, and it is, that Jesus has come into the world. That was the dawning of a new day. It was like the prophets who described the Messiah as the Son, S-U-N, of righteousness. Just, just like our Son brings us light and warmth, even on cold days. There's warmth and there's life. So Jesus, as the Son who brings us righteousness, brings us light, brings us warmth, God's love, and brings us life. That's what he was talking about. Jesus as the true light. But when John said, the darkness has not overcome it. Here's what that really means. Uh, the word in the Greek for overcome means to grasp, to understand. He was saying, the darkness has not understood it. The darkness has blocked it. Now why is it that something could block the truth of God? And the answer is love. Love for the world instead of love for God. Jesus would explain it a little later in the Gospel of God. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. 
Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. When people love sin, when they love their own desires more than the love of God, that's what he's talking about, it will blind them too and distort the truth and the light of God. Now I ask you, is that what maybe is happening in our city and in our neighborhoods, maybe in our homes, with Christmas? What do the lights of Christmas tell us? Well, let's see gingerbread men, I see candy canes, I see snowmen, I see Santa, I see Snoopy on a motorcycle. What do all those lights tell us? Well, it's fun, and it's cheery, and it is. And I'm not putting those things down as saying they're evil. But what I'm saying is, they have a way of coming up and blocking the light. Those things aren't telling us about Jesus, are they? And I'm not saying you can't enjoy those things. But where is your love? Where is your focus? Let it be on Jesus, the true light. The true light. I don't think about that. The true light. What does that mean? Is yeah. Snoopy on the motorcycle, Santa Claus, gingerbread man. That's the fake light. That's not what Christmas is really all about. Those things have a way of distracting and distorting the truth. God tells us what the true light is. Jesus is God's Son. And He loved us so much, He sent His Son into this world to be that light and life. Jesus came to live our life with perfect obedience. Jesus came to give up his life, putting himself under the wrath of God for all of our sins so that we won't be punished. And though we die, Jesus took up his life again to show that he conquered death, that sin has been paid for, and that you and I will rise too. That's the true light. Jesus was teaching us that as the true light who has brought life into this world, he is the Savior of all. And here's, here's the really good news. That light, it shines right here. It shines inside of us. Look how that has happened. Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians. As he describes how this light has broken the darkness that was in our heart. Even if our gospel is veiled, he says, it's veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, May his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Do you see what God has done for you? God has dispelled that darkness of unbelief and sin, caused the light of his grace in Jesus Christ to shine in your hearts. And by that faith in him, that righteousness, that obedience of Jesus becomes mine. So I can stand before God innocent. The blood that Jesus shed 
as he died under the wrath of God for my sins, removes all my sins so I can stand with boldness and unashamedly before God. And his resurrection assures me of my resurrection. I will live forever in heaven with God. That's the light that shines here. Yeah, there used to be darkness. God's light has dispelled it. Jesus is that true light. And it didn't happen through some mystical, weird experience. It simply happened as God's word went to work in our hearts. How important it is then that we just focus in on that light of God's word and let it do its work. Let it convince us of God's love. Let it bring us life. So don't, don't get distracted by all the lights and glamour of a secular Christmas. I'm not saying you can't do those things or enjoy those things, but don't let that be the main focus. The main focus is that true light, Jesus. So let your actions and events and your words and your heart also have that light in it this Christmas. It's so good. But now notice this. As that light shines in us, it's also going to shine out from us. I'm sure at this time of the year, you go around saying to people, Merry Christmas, or I hope you have a nice Christmas. We don't go around saying, Ah, humbug, we don't believe in that stuff. We don't do that. Right? Because it is such a wonderful time, and we want to share that greeting with others. But it's more than just a greeting. It's the glow of the truth that we have that can shine out. This time of the year, we are reminded often of people who are needy, who are less fortunate than we are. Uh, there are toy drives, clothing drives, uh, drives for food for people. Uh, charities start using this time to get on the phones and call for extra donations because they need help. And all that's fine. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But let's be reminded of a greater need that all people have. Because when Isaiah was talking about people living in darkness, it wasn't just us. It's the whole world. There's a greater need than toys, a greater need than food, a greater need than money to balance the budget. It's the need to know Jesus as Savior. Yeah, let's do those other things. But let's also remember this. That light that's in us is to shine out from it. People, that's our job. God hasn't just asked us to do this. He, doesn't, he hasn't just said, hey, I'd really like it if you guys could do this. Do you think you could? No, he's commanded us to do it. He's commissioned us. He said, I have given you skills and interest and the light of the gospel. Now go and share it with others. And we do that here. Apostles is great at doing that here. You know, Christmas for kids, yesterday, live activity coming up, all the special services. But let's keep doing it. There is so much more for us to do. And not just here. We have missionaries throughout the world who are doing God's work in our behalf. Let's support them with our prayers and with our offerings. We have young people who are preparing to be future pastors and Christian school teachers. Let's support them too, because they're going to shine that light in the years ahead. 
I asked you at the start of the message, would your Christmas be different if you didn't have all these direct, uh, decorations? Let me ask you this. Would your life be different if you didn't have Jesus? There are people who don't have Jesus. Their life can be so different if they would know him. He shines here. Let's let him shine out. And then that's how we make this season merry. Turn on your light.